That's is that right. the sort yeah, of coconut like that, we're yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's like a, a sweetened, shredded, yeah, desiccated is a good good way to describe it. Yeah. Um, and then you got your little mini marshmallows, like your little yeah. little guys. Yeah. Yeah, gotta be the l- is little. Is it tart? Is this beer tart or is this beer like just just sort of sweet and hoppy? Sweet and hoppy. It's not not on the tart. Not on the tart not side. A, not, not like a fruited sour taste. No, or no, sour no. Or IPA taste. Okay. This is yeah, more a. This is a, a fruited tropical IPA, and I, I think that's bang on. If you ever had like our Pacific Ale in Australia, not sure whether you've had that. Sure. But um, this is sort of like a a maltier, thicker, fruitier version of that. It's a good beer. It's um good beer for this time of year. I wouldn't want to be drinking it in the summer personally, but yeah, big fan of that beer. So is this is this Jaffa Cake Ale, Imperial Ale? Is this more like what what color does this beer? Come I don't out? know. Um, yeah, I'm like I'm kind of <laughs> just that it's got chocolate. I'm guessing that there's some dark malt in it. So you think this is closer to like an Imperial Brown or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yep. Because I he makes a good brown ale. I think it's Lou's Brown Ale, which is um. He brews under license. I think it's an an English beer that he brews under license. But uh, big fan of everything that this brewery puts out. So th- they'll probably win my brewery of the year awards. Anyway, I've been rolling for quite some time. I've had a rolly intro. Hey, thanks, Ben. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. It's another episode of the Beer Engine Podcast, and we are joined by the number one uh, NBA draft expert in Australia. He's the closest NBA draft expert anyways between Australia and Hawaii, because I think Chad Ford actually lives in Hawaii, funny enough. Um, But if you get stuck in there somewhere, uh, but south of the Philippines, because I think Rafe Bartholomew is in the Philippines, <laughs> but if you're stuck to the north of Antarctica, uh, but to the um, to the east of, say, India, you will find our number one NBA draft expert. He loves the NBA draft. It's Australia's time to shine. Not sure if it is this year, though. Yeah, Tony, it is. Tony, what's going on? Is Are we back? Are the Australians back? Not only do we have an Australian that is probably going to go in the top 10 in Dyson Daniels, named after the oh, vacuum yeah. cleaner. I have no idea if he is or not, but why would you name or the Or the fan or the dryer, the yes. hand dryer. Of course, the, the air blades or whatever the fuck they're called. But he's, he's mm-hmm. a top 10 prospect. But we've got a couple of others that are international prospects, um, one out of France, one out of somewhere else that played in the NBL this year. Dyson Daniels oh, actually yeah. did the opposite thing and played in the G League ignite so yeah mm-hmm. the the world is a weird place with basketball we've got a lot of people coming to the nbl to um to play their their to make junior money, yeah right i mean they why why play why play in college uh, well i mean you can make some money now but uh play in the uh play for the yeah play some pro ball play against grown men get, that's get what some, i was, get I was your, about to like say. some real strength up you know i, I think it makes sense you know yeah, it, it does. And the quality of the Australian League is pretty good. And with the quality that's actually come into the draft, you look at Gideon, he only averaged 11, 
uh, seven and and five in Australia because playing against Graham Manny wasn't getting a lot of court time with his team as a 17-year-old. Uh, Lamello Ball averaged similar numbers. Um, yep. So it, it's that's proven good, to be that's a good, good That's good, t- good. Speaks well to, you know, if he's, if he's able to perform it. How was his team? Was his team any good? Um, yeah, Giddy's team was was one of the top Adelaide okay, are always yeah. in there. So, yeah, they're they're a team that's filled with vets. Um, Cam Cam Bristow or Bestow, whatever his name is. Cam, Cam Barstow. That's him. And I believe he was a New Zealand. He's a New Zealander, isn't he? Or is he? No, he's Australian. an Aussie. He's an Aussie. No, the, no, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I thought otherwise. Yeah. There's only one New Zealand player in the NBA. Did you want to take a guess at who that is? Mm. He's oh boy, I'll never, I'll never know. Okay, couple of non-hint hints. He's one of twelve children. His sister <laughs> is an Olympic shot putter. I was going to say Philip Philip Rivers Jr. Um, but I don't, I don't actually know. Uh, his sister was an Olympic shot putter. Yep. Yeah, dude. I, I, if unless it's, I mean, I know Aaron Baines is Australian, so it's not yep. him. No. And I know uh, it's a so white name, but Cam he, is, uh, Yeah. It's a white name, but he's not a white dude. Like no. he looks like, um, yeah, that dude from New Zealand. He's a seven footer. And it's, okay. Who is it? Um, played for OKC for some time as a five. Not. Not Serge Ibaka. No, Stephen Adams. Uh, Stephen Adams. Oh, that's right. I, I I forgot that. I don't know why. I thought it, I still think of him as. Um, I think of him. I think of that whole area just as Oceania or something. I, don't know. I just <laughs> see that. That's a distinction that we never group <clears throat> ourselves with. Occasionally, yes, we will be grouped in the Oceania competition group. Um, soccer and basketball are two examples of that where we're grouped that way. Actually, in soccer now, uh, Australia's in Asia. So, yeah, that's true. Funny enough. Because yeah. we were dominating that. It was... he, got, he got bored with Oceania, <laughs> I guess, playing Fiji or whatever. Fiji, Cook um, Islands, and New Zealand. New Zealand were a decent Fiji, team. Fiji good at, good at rugby, though, right? Like, legit good. Uh, yes, they are. They are really good at, at rugby league. Um, yeah. Not rugby league, sorry, rugby union. Not so good at right. league because there's a two. Mm-hmm. It's it, the way I would break down rugby without getting into rules and minutia is like the rugby mm. union is one form of the game, and rugby league is like the Canadian Football League to the NFL. Right. So sure. there's yeah. this. They look similar, but there's a lot of weird and wackiness. Like yeah, rug, rugby. Rugby league, um, you get six plays at the ball, kind of like um, with um, American football, you, where you get four plays to move the sticks. This, you get six plays total to move the ball down the field. Rugby union, you get as many as you want to move the ball down the field. That sort of, but they look the same. Canadian football is the best. It's the greatest. It's so I, I wacky. Mean, you're a, you gotta love it. It's the yeah. best. The fifty-five yard line is the greatest. <laughs> the, um, so. So you got you got a couple of guys. It sounds like who are going to be first rounders, maybe. So you got a top tenner, right? Yeah, at least one said. top ten, and maybe maybe another top ten. There's there's talk of another guy that'll 
push the top ten. Not not Australian. We've only got the one Australian this year in Dyson Daniels, Victorian. Mm-hmm. So that that's a real bonus that he's a Victorian. Nice. So from my home state. Now we we um. Now we have a listener here uh, of our show, a, a listener named Kyle, who who posts on our Discord sometimes, and uh, I've been going back and forth with him because. He uh, he went to Purdue University, Tony. Are you familiar with this one? I am. Luke yeah, Chencher is from Purdue, I think. One of those schools in the middle of nowhere, kind of like Illinois. Um, now, uh, they have a guy who's going to be a top five pick, it looks like, Jaden Ivey. Top uh, four pick, Jaden Ivey. Top four. Now, every single, every single mock draft has him going to Sacramento, which is, of course, Career poison. It is. But will he go uh, four or will he go two? I hear OKC are really keen on him. There is all right. Th- there I is think talk about I some- think Kyle's gonna be rooting for that because he he is not like when I keep saying he's going to Sacramento Pro. It's happening. He may get his, drafted his, by his Sacramento. Shit, it's over. But he is not Marvin playing. Bagley or, yeah. He is not playing on that Sacramento so. lineup. Look, why would you draft him? I know best available player, but this is a great opportunity where other people are really keen on Jaden Ivey and think he's the best player in the league. They're going to overpay best player in the draft. They're going yeah. to overpay in this draft to to move up to get him. So I, I think you can make a deal because De'Aaron Fox um, and who's the other guy that just plays defense, not Marcus Smart. Um, they just drafted him. I forget his name. Another point guard. Sure. They don't need another point guard that's the same as De'Aaron Fox. Either you look right. to package no, De'Aaron Fox, yeah. but I can't see Sacramento doing that. So I, I think um, I think Kyle, you're safe. I, I think that pick will be moved. All right. On draft night, either before or after the draft, whether Sacramento make the pick and then it gets traded or there's actually a, a swap of picks beforehand. But I, I cannot see him suiting up for the uh, Kings at all based on what I've heard. Okay. All right. I'll, we'll, we'll, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be hopeful. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to make, make fun of him. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, don't really care. Honestly, do not care. The mostly I'm just looking forward to going to the summer league, Tony, and it's coming up in two weeks. Yes, I will be watching the uh, the gang, the fellas over there in Vegas. I think uh, Mister, maybe we'll get him on right after. But Mister, uh, Mister Brian Malik and I will be going to see uh, the the highlight of summer league, Tony Bulls versus Knicks. Uh, first time, first time that I've ever seen him play in the summer league, or first time I've ever seen it on the schedule. Bulls are playing the Knicks. They don't even get the Thomas and Mack. They have to play in the little shitty stadium connected to the Thomas and Mack, the Cox Pavilion or whatever. So um, we're going to go to that. So we're going to see the see the Bulls and the and the Knicks on the on the tenth of July. So that's pretty exciting, huh? Don't know who we're drafting. Don't know what that's going to look like, but we'll see. Well, the bigger question around you guys is Zach Levine. What's what's happening there? What what do you think? You're you're a Bulls. Uh, fanatic, where where what happens with that contract? Do you end up moving him, or do you hold well, on to him? How set am I on him? Still, I guess I st- he's 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 been through the ringer on the injuries for sure. Yep. Um, but I also think that if any teams, the team that's going, he's the most valuable to the Bulls. I guess I think of any other team, right? I think the Bulls would consider him to be. Nobody's going. Well, first of all, nobody can pay him more than the Bulls, and second of all, 
the Bulls, I think he's more important to the Bulls or more useful to the Bulls than he is to a lot of other teams. Because so I actually think his that. destiny, this is probably, I don't know, I think his destiny is either to be on these Bulls teams that are going to be decent or he's, I mean, his destiny was always to be Corey Maggette, right? He's, he's, got, yeah. he's getting some playoff ex- experience now. So isn't his destiny to, like, play for the Kings or something? But I'm, I'm not necessarily I mean, saying the Kings, but you put him in Portland next to Dame. And, okay, that hasn't worked in the past, but Dame needs help. So there's, there's value there for Portland to pick him up. I'm not sure. saying it'll <laughs> yeah. work. And the thing is, how set are the majority of, of players on rings? Don't they just want to get paid? And, and I don't mean that they'll take the biggest contract that's available because obviously that biggest contract is in Chicago. But if he thinks he can set him up for a longer-term deal somewhere else, um, yeah. th- where it will be his knees and ankles have been through the, through the, uh, through the washing machine a few times. I, I don't know. I'm interested to see. Of course, I, I, you know, I think the Bulls should just bring him back. Probably. Yep. I don't really get, and I also don't. Um, I don't. I'm not. I know that we have a salary cap and all that shit, but I don't really care if the Bulls go into the luxury tax. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. I don't understand why everybody sits there and like like worries about the Bulls paying. Bulls are the like one of the richest, <laughs> most of it, if not one of the. They they're definitely one of the five most valuable franchises in in the in the league. Oh, without a uh, doubt. So I, I was just trying to yeah. think. If not one Nick, of the top two. No, know? top I mean, three, top three, Knicks and Lakers. Right. Knicks, Lakers, Bulls, right, yeah. yeah. And not, and frankly, the Knicks being more valuable is only because of everything around the Knicks. And yeah, yeah. It's, team, it's, team's ass. yeah. it's purely the market that the Knicks are in. Um, they right. are still the New York team where Brooklyn are. Right. Like, they're always New Jersey Nets, let's be honest. Right. I still call them that. We know that. Um <laughs> The uh, but yeah no I think uh, I don't care if the Bulls go on a luxury tax I can give a shit so yeah. I think uh, I think they should go to luxury tax I think they should I think they should be shelling out to win almost every year uh, they're the fucking Bulls figure it out now All just right, back on Levine yeah. for just one split second yes. I just come up with a career comp not playing style or anything else but he reminds me very much of a trailblazer Brandon Roy. Oh, Brandon Roy was so good, though. Brandon Roy, I think, is a better player than Zach Levine, though. Yep, but probably um, had a shorter career due to ankles oh and knees. Oh, my God, yeah, Brandon Roy. But Brandon Roy was a baller, dude. Yeah. He was – Brandon Roy is one of those guys like the um, – like the. It, it's going to be one of those guys – I mean, Derek had an even longer career than Brandon Roy. Yeah. but Derek had a resurgence. But Derek, you're, you're going to remember – you're going to remember those guys. You're just like, I was actually remembering a guy the other day that was so bomb was white chocolate. Oh, uh, Jason Williams. Jason Williams. Fucking, um, that guy was so good, dude. He survived um, Sacramento. He played on the only good Sacramento teams. Yep. The only ones ever. The, the, the Weber, Chris Weber, uh, Peja Stojakovic, uh, fucking J, J will, uh, will. Uh, yep. uh, Mike Bibby. Uh, all them guys around those teams, yeah. Yep, I remember those teams. Those were some. Those were some crazy. That series of the Lakers is uh, one of the Tim, the Tim Donahue series is, is the <laughs> fucking magic man. Is the best. Speaking of crime, Tony, uh, I did want to. I've been back. I'm watching my 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 dumbass cult shit. I love. A cult uh, you know, doc, I man. love the. You know, I love the cult docs, Tony. We're, we're now. 
you know, I knew all these things, these guys. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know the stories entirely. Yeah. But were you familiar with the Warren Jeffs universe before the, the doc came out? Have you watched it yet? I have not watched the doc series, um, but I am, I won't say very familiar, but I'm probably the same amount of familiar that you were before going into this. I used to catch up on the story I know about his 67 wives and 14 of them mm-hmm. were under 16 and hearing hearing numbers higher on both of that, in fact, okay. in, in the series, if you're wondering, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and by percentage, I would say, yeah. And I I know he was getting paid while he was on the run, but I don't know how all that operated and and what sort of breach he had outside of that, like his wives, because he had to have a bigger community right. around that, and I'm sure the docu series sort of expands on that. Um, it is good, yeah. But it's, I definitely want to check it out. Tony, I'll spoil. I'll spoil this for you. He, the way he got the money sent to him while he was on the on the fly, was um, uh, it was packed fifty thousand dollars each would be packed into like a, a box of tomato cans from the Costco. No, I'm not shitting. Yeah, they were sending him three hundred thousand dollars a week in oh. cash, and he was going to like Disney World or whatever. I wonder whether a friend of the show Brant Tobler was involved in in moving that money about. Not to say he was involved in the cult in any way, shape, or form, but we know that dude likes to move money around in he's, shifty he's ways. Shifting, yeah, he's moving stuff all over the place. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's uh, Tony. You're gonna like that one. I mean, it's obviously very um, you know depressing and everything with all this cult stuff, right? Um, just because you're like, okay, they're you know these are children and stuff. But, yeah. Um, it is. Uh, it is extremely fucked. So if you enjoy the watching shit that's extremely fucked up. Yep, you're gonna like it. That one's right there with that. Yeah, See, it's, it's a, it's a, it's crazy. I really enjoyed the um, Indian one that where they, um, they wild wild country, wild wild one. country. Yeah, I really so enjoyed the, that. Uh, yeah. Bhagavan. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Um, I watched the just the murder, the Mormon murders among the Mormon, more murder among the Mormons. That was pretty good. That was just regular Mormons, so that wasn't really so much cult, so much as just like normal. Is that the Hulu normal. joint one? Is that the? I think that's a Netflix one here. I don't know what okay. it is in Australia. Um, Apparently, there's and a... uh, there are a couple others snuck in there that yeah. I that I. Uh, there's a couple. There's a Branch Davidians one that I probably need to get on, and then there's the uh, I forget what these guys were, but they were like it was like the two. It was like the couple who had like sort of a small, pretty small group of followers that was like very celestial in nature. Everything was very like about was Christian, but like stars and stuff. And they were like being. They were the. There was like this couple that was going to get like absorbed into the universe or something. I don't remember that shit. I forget what it was, but that was another one of these cult things I watched that I was really caught up in. That one I'll have to go back and look at what it was, but yep. I will watch all that stuff. It's my favorite thing to watch on airplanes. And people looking next to me being like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? But Apparently, Check that one out, gang. Under the banner of heaven is worth checking out. Not a docuseries, but um, I've heard good things about it under the banner of heaven. It's a Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN joint. I don't know. I'll find it in Australia. Right. It'll be on something else, probably like Stan. So, yeah. Yeah, I would. Oh, that's um, that's the same guy. That's the same shit. That's the same uh, same guy. That's oh. Warren Jeffs too. Is it really? There you go. Yep. That's the uh, John Krakauer wrote the book. It's it's a that's about the uh, that's about the FLDS as well and the fundamental 
Latter Day Saints. And they're right around here, Tony. I would, you know, we got the regular Latter Day Saints. They're walking around here all the time. You, I mean, they I'm magic sure you, underwear. You might have seen them once. Yeah, magic underwear, their little suit and their little book. Uh, they get into our subdivision here, our gated subdivision. <laughs> oh, delightful. Yeah, and and Kelly wants me. We're backing the car out, and Kelly sees him, and she's like, back <laughs> over, at back me like, him. Get, like get a, get away, go. <laughs> Like it's a getaway car. <laughs> now, but, it is, uh, in yeah, Australia, you don't want to run up against the Mormon guys. In Australia, we have a policy where you can go on the do not call register, which doesn't do shit. You still get spam calls from India and other mm-hmm. places. But we also have a do not knock um, thing. So, oh, sure. And I've had um, not so much um, uh, Mormons knock on the door because they're not big around here, but the Jehovah's Witnesses are big uh, around here. Um, so the Jehovah's knock on the door. And oh, I, yeah. We had, we had them. In, they were more so in, in Illinois. We had yep. more of the Jehovah's. Here we have the Mormons. Now, I now I should clarify, they're just normal Mormons. They're not the polygamist Mormons, oh. which whatever. They're I don't believe the Mormons. I don't believe the FLDS is eva- they don't evangelize. I think they um, they Breed. are all just in their little yep. yeah. They just they just make more. That's easy. They ain't worried about having to create. They're just making more. They don't have to go find anything. They're yep. they're good. Yeah. So no problem there. I feel like there's never been a good religion where it's got fundamental in the name of the church or. I I would say you could have cut that sentence off probably a little sooner, but yeah, no, I um. Church I, of yeah, Satan. I think if once you're sticking. All right. Well. Could, not, maybe I don't know if that's good or not. You know, I. Uh, it's at least neutral, maybe. You know, um, I would say. Yeah, if you're putting if your if your Wikipedia page says um, you're uh, what was the term I saw on that one? I got to look that up, but it says like not revisionism. It's um, uh, it's it's uh, like rest rest uh, restorism or whatever that is restoration. Restorationist. Yep. Yeah, restorationist. If you're if you're if your thing says restorationist. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, unless uh, you—that's not a good. That ain't good. Unless you're a car mechanic, yeah, they did, that isn't good. Yeah, you don't want to be like uh, the other trying to make things like they were three, four, or so hundred years ago. Eh, eh. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't too good, you know. I guess no. if for them it wouldn't be that long ago, more like two hundred years ago, because that what's home dude wasn't being what alive yet, but. Um, Anyways, watch check that out. You guys like cults. This seems like a crowd that could get it. You know what? We could maybe maybe we could get our Discord shift the Discord offline or offline, and we buy a compound. Oh, I like that. What if we did that? We do a cult. You know, where would we, we have our that. compound though? Oh man, that's a great question. Because it's got to be isolated. Is we all like going out. We all like going out and getting drunk. So it's sort of tricky. I know it's got to be uh, isolated, but it's got to be have good. Postal service to get good beer, and it's possibly got to be in a good beer area so we can go out and get growlers and stuff mm. like that. Hmm, boy, it's tough. I would Is say that the you're Kansas area. At... Is that remote enough? Oh, they... I'm not sure. I think you'd have to do Oregon. I think that's why there are, Oregon. and there's already so many, so the land's a little expensive. But I think you'd have Oregon's to do... a good choice. There's plenty of militia I up think there. You'd have to look at... 
Yeah, like and there's that. already plenty of compounds, so we might just be able to blend in. And let's be yeah, honest, really our don't. Discord is pretty white. We'd fit in amazingly. <laughs> right. White, heavily bearded. Um, I think we would, yeah. We, someone, someone just heavily has to change male. their last name to... Somebody just changed his last name to Bundy in here, and I think we're uh, I think we're good. Um, Montana would be the other sneaky one. Montana's got the sneaky beer scene. Um, really, I only know Montana yeah. through a dude who I play poker with in uh, Yellowstone, so which is yeah, actually Missoula, filmed in Utah. Utah. Yeah, boy, that that FLDS stuff. You're just like, man, Utah is so fucked, dude. It's so close. <laughs> Uh, it's beautiful, though. I'll give them that. And don't they have an upcoming uh, beer scene? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that to be true or not. I'll take I, that I as actually, a no. Actually, every when I've been there, I've been sort of uncertain on when I was able to drink. Uh, I was like, "Can I? What's, what am I doing?" Uh, I just went to a distillery, and that was easily solved by that. But um, all right, Tony, I was actually out and about this weekend. Um, went over, I think I mentioned this last time, went over to San Diego, uh, had a little, um, did a little, did a little drinking this past weekend, got on a plane, got on a quick 40 minute flight, flew out there, uh, bounced around some breweries. It was a, it was a nice time over there. Um, so that was a, that was cool. I'm going to pop up some of those beers here in this, in the, in the beers of the week segment coming up a little later, huh? Nice. So tell me about the San Diego beer scene. Is it concentrated in one area of San Diego or do you have to bounce around the whole town? Nah, How accessible it's, is it? Um, it's not is- an enormous city. Yeah, you're, you're good. There's some in little Italy. There's a little bit in like the downtown area. We were, we were based in little Italy, but you can go to, so Bergen has a spot there. Uh, you guys know Burgeon. I talk about them a lot. Mickler's got a spot there. We went there and drank a, a bomber of Creek Vanille, which was awesome. Um, uh, Lost Abbey is there. That was killer. Ne- had never been there. Wanted to go there. That was great to see. Um, and those are all sort of in the in the little Italy-ish, downtown-ish area. And then um, there's North Park. So North Park has Modern Times. Um, that's not far from the stadium either. So there, there's modern times. There's a uh, North park brewing, which was like your hazy and your pastries. And that was good too. And then, um, uh, one other one I went to, Oh, well, there's uh, belching beaver down there, but I wasn't totally nuts about that one. So fair enough. Um, but yeah, there was, uh, yeah, you got all your, all your crews there. All your big breweries are there. Carl Strauss is there. We didn't go there, but that's a great one. Stone has a tap room in downtown. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, just Virgin's uh, Virgin was the first place we went. And I'm like, God, this is so fucking good, dude. <laughs> What's hanging out Virgin's here the entire the time? Yeah, I could have just never. And they have food at that one, so it Indonesian spicy wings nice. and Carlsbad Crush. And I'm like, I'm good. What else do I need <laughs> out of this trip? I'll just sit here for the next 36 hours, and we're great. You know, didn't yep. really didn't really have to hunt anything else down, but. I got to recommend it, gang. Uh, if you haven't done San Diego yet as a beer city, uh, you got to do it. It's just a great one. There's so many places to go. Not to mention just like, I mean, Lost Abbey, which maybe wasn't my favorite place to trip. The beers are great. But it's yep. just such a like, I mean, it's a that's a mecca. You know? That's yeah. like a, that's a cornerstone of the industry, you know. They had port, good port beer. They have Wipeout. You can drink Wipeout there. Um, and they had 2015 Angel Share Barley wine. I'm like, all right, I'm going to drink that. It was great. 
Um, they had uh, Cuvée de Tome. They had um, all your all your good stuff. It's it's in this old like mission church there, so that was pretty dope. They seem, just fire. Yeah, they seem to be a brewery that have sort of like navigated the trends really well. So they haven't continued to brew the same beers that they were brewing 20 years ago, but they haven't always been on the bleeding edge of of, of even the styles that, that they sort of brew. They're not sort of pushing envelope, but they're pushing everything they do to extremes, if that makes sense. like They're, they're just- one of the brewers who's who's been around long enough with their, li- with their like, wild ale culture yeah. that it's finally coming around into some kind of maturity. Yeah, so, it, like, it Duck really- Duck Goose... And they, I had this yellow school bus beer from them recently. That was like a peach lambic style. Ooh, and it was so balanced. It was tart, but not green, you know? Um, whereas you get a lot of these American sours or American wilds. Yeah. They are sharp. They're they're racing sour. Yeah. Same with the Australian um, stuff. Some of it's So their, like- their culture, they, they, they're one of the handful that's been around long enough to like have their yeast and like shit and everything mellow out. Yeah. Like, Oh damn, this is like developing into real funk. Um, like who's in the so same good. class as them? Jolly pumpkin. Are they sort of Jolly pumpkins? Great. Yeah. They're, yeah. that's a great example of a, of a killer. Um, yeah. Been around a minute. Sour brewer. Yep. Um, who would I put in that class? Yeah. So that boy, uh, I don't even know how you would categorize it, but they're they're sort of like wild, wild Jester traditional. King. Jester King, yeah, good call. They're probably I'd the say three. Jester Kings up there. Yeah, that's probably my faves. Um, can't say can't say Tired Hands or Hill Farmstead anymore. I don't think I don't think we're allowed to allowed to put them. Allowed to but put they, them up even there. still, they 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 were more. And that's what I was talking about. They were more envelope pushing on the, yeah, the bleeding yeah, edge of style yeah. where, where these guys sure. were sort of doing their own thing and just relying on their culture, as in youth culture, can, to get them yeah, through. Allagash, Allagash does a lot of good, great sour stuff. I don't think they make as much of it. And then yeah. I would say um, there's a sneaky one up in Connecticut called Kent Falls. That's okay. been some of the best stuff I've ever had is Kent, Kent Falls makes some bomb Saison and Wild Ale here. Yeah. Um, there's probably a couple others sneaking around that I don't really know about uh, or aren't am am not thinking of, you know. But you know, whatever. Um, you, let let us know if you if you've got other like long standing wild ale producers in the U.S. or in Australia for that matter. Uh, drop us a line, uh, beer engine show at gmail.com or get in the Discord and let us know what what you guys like. Um, I, I'll I'll try to remember. Yeah. Shit, I, I can't. I'm, I have no memory anymore. It's just, it's just gone. So whatever. Oh, Logsdon, that's a good one too. Logsdon in uh, Hood River, Oregon, maybe up there. Yeah, by my comp, by the compound in Oregon, it's right next to it. La Serene would be uh, the Australian version of that. And, and La Serene, you've mentioned them. Yeah. yeah, they've only been around since 2010, but in Australian sour beer terms, they are like number. The OG, they are number one as far as yeah. the guys doing that. They're starting to yeah. can that stuff. That's exciting. Oh, might have to get this stuff in cans. Rodenbach style, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. That's killer. 
Tony, why don't we move into, uh, if, if you've got the sound there hanging out by it, why don't we move into some stuff from our Discord friends? Would you look at that? Perfect. Uh, Grammar Purist with a pretty funny post. Grammar Purist, one art. he's our journalism. He's our man on the scene in the, in the world of journalism. Uh, this one was pretty funny. The headline on this story from Esquire, which is about, um, what is this about? Uh, Gronkowski dad, I guess. Yep. Um, how, uh, okay. I got it. I got it. (laughs) Come on. It's not, it's not easy to open links, Tony. You gotta, you gotta really, you gotta work for it. Um, Oh, man. Ah, it man. says something about how huge these people are. Yo, he made it. He made it. Tony, what's the headline say? Um, 1,258 pounds of sun. Okay, so that's, that's adding <laughs> up all their sons. Um, Gordy Gronkowski. Yeah. Of course his name is Gordy. Spent uh, 1,258 1, pounds of sons. <laughs> Spent 30 years Who's raising hungry? five sons, five monster boys. All became monster athletes. Four became football players. Three of them and counting NFL players. And one of them playing in the Super Bowl. No, it's no accident. So, Wow. And look at that. Uh, that is a big... That is a big set of people. Now, they're from Buffalo, Tony, which is one of the... Uh, coldest places you can live, yep. I would say. Now, Australia's formula, current Formula One driver, Daniel Ricciardo, is a big American sports fan, um, which is mm. really odd for somebody in Formula One to be a, a big American sports fan. Not so weird for an Australian because we share that, that uh, common love, but he is a huge um, Buffalo Bills fan. He's part of the, the Bills Mafia. Um, and he's a Texas wow. Longhorn fan. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a combo. <laughs> do, do you ever watch the guys, like the Buffalo Bills, um, the videos of the guys, like, tailgating, and they're, like, jumping through tables and shit? Yep. <laughs> Just bonkers. It's amazing. It's so fucking funny, dude. These people are lunatics. Um, Tony, uh, we've had uh, some good beer chat this week in our beer chat channel. Um, Nick Torque has been on a mega road trip. How about that? Um, traveling. Well, now is he driving across the whole goddamn country? Pretty much, he's going to every place that like is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like Goa, yeah. not not so far out there. But then he went to Cooper Pedy, for example, um, and that's starting to get remote. Cooper Pedy is an opal mining town that is famous for the fact that every Everybody lives underground in caves because it's too fucking hot to live above ground. I remember, I remember seeing that on a TV show. I yep. learned about that from some show where, like, on they Netflix. were like having to stay in each other hotels or yeah, something like that. Yeah, hotel or whatever what it was that? called. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, I know something. Yeah. Uh, where do we got here? He's at the Smiling Samoyed Brewery. A Samoyed is a like an Alaskan dog, isn't it? That's correct. Um, yeah. Yeah, south of Adelaide, so he's got some oatmeal stout. 
a steam ale at the Florio Brewery in Gua. 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 Three McLaren Vale breweries visited today. Red Fox, owned by Bickford's, Prancing Pony, and Pikes. Uh, So it's all takeaway there. And then he had to drive 500 kilometers to reach bush camp in the flinders this is this flinders ranges made up everything sounds made up no. flinders ranges uh this is red pelt india red ale oh now we got some listeners who love an india red ale and i like yep. one too it's a great taste uh, and fox so Hell, good fox had one of the bigger um breweries in australia or i can get those at dan murphy's bigford's make cordial in australia cordial is like liquid form of kool-aid i don't know whether you guys get it but it's just like of syrup that you sure. put in water. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, then we had him in here. Yep, Cooper Petey, um in the opal mining town. Sure. <laughs> they filled Man- Mad Max 3. I thought they filmed that down the street here in Boulder City. <laughs> uh, actually does not look that much different than Boulder City. No, um, but there's probably even like more vagrants in Cooper Petey. More vagrants and hotter. Is it hotter? Oh, yeah, it's it is like has some of the highest recorded temperatures on Earth. Um, it's okay, up there with so Death yeah, Valley. That's, that's hotter. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna I'll jump back to Cascade Dank here, and yeah. then he had it. He made it into the Northern Territory, where they have strong liquor laws. He has yep. to give them a driver's license every time he buys a beer. They record it, so I can't buy more than six per day. Yes. I love these fridges, by the way. He has this picture of these frid- wooden fridges. I love those. those are, they have those at Lunar in, in Chicago area. Fridge fridge full of SANT beers of so, oh, South Australia and Northern Territories. Correct. I guess. Nailed it. We'll have, we'll have a couple and go back to my well-stocked fridge. Um, then uh, he went to Uluru. Uh, at the Ayers Rock Campground, enjoying Magic Carpet Ride, Imperial Stout. So what a trip. That's pretty cool to drive across the whole country. I mean, that's a lot of ground to cover in a week. week. Um, So shout out for that. Looks like you're having a nice time. And he's more of a camper than I am. My ass is too too bougie. You you have to give me a bed and a a nice hotel pillow and lay my comfy head on it. I don't know if I can handle that. Now, I know there are some geo guesses out there, so I'll, I'll just get everybody that wants yeah. to play along at home. Not to bring out GeoGuessr, but um, pull up a map of Australia on Google Maps and I'll just take you roughly where Nick... He, he kind of took an L shape up through the middle mm-hmm. of Australia. So he's in Melbourne, Victoria. I won't give his exact, exact suburb out because it's not a big <laughs> place. You could probably stalk sure. him. Yes, it's a suburb of Melbourne, but it's like a tiny little suburb. And he then headed to um, Adelaide, basically, and then headed up to Alice Springs. So that's the route he took. So he headed west to Adelaide and then up to Alice Springs. Okay. Yeah. So that is a decent trip. And there's not much to see in between. Lots of desert. Lots of desert. Yeah, he would do the drive between Vegas and Reno like it's nobody's business. That's nothing to him. <laughs> yeah. But my ass was like, this sucks. This is <laughs> bullshit. Um, uh, Cascade made it to the Verdant Pressure Drop Collab Brewery. Hell yeah, I want some of this Verdant beer. Um, 
I can't seem to get my hands on it. I'm excited to try some of these IPAs. I just released Whale Shark, and from what I hear, it is a banger. Tell us, Cascade, was it a banger? We got to know. Let's look at this menu, though. I know. That's, that's what I'm on. Uh, we got zoomed in on classic crisp bitter IPA Hollywood hunk 6.8%. These are gonna get these goddamn Brits wasted <laughs> 6.8%. Um, what about Alan? Wall banger wit- what's up? What about uh, on the verdant menu? The um, the last one on the menu, oh, yeah, Alan, that, that's an eight yeah. percent. Oh, we got whale shark, whale sharks 8.5. Oh. <laughs> Um, and then Allen, 8%. I mean, for us Americans and Cascade included, making an 8% IPA, I mean, we're, we'll live, we'll do that all day. But I'm drinking um, that right now. Yeah, these Brits, these Brits can't, they can't handle that. They, <laughs> they need their, they need, they need to drink over, over nine hours. They have to drink five fullers. That's pretty much their, their move. Yeah. See, so in the uh, old Australian beer culture, I, I won't say it's, it's prevalent now. But it used to break down and we had two styles of beer and they were all macros and you had light and heavy and it wasn't low carb like your light beer is. It was just a lower alcohol coming in at uh, sure. 3.8 to 4% alcohol was our, our light and then a heavy was 4.8 to 5.2. And that's, that's how you would order things at pub. I'll have a light or a heavy of whatever brand. So, yeah. So it's something that's changed about the Australian beer culture. I'm drinking a fruited tropical IPA that comes in at almost 8%, which is no big deal. People, money, space, time, soft and shaggable pale. That sounds good too, actually. Um, all this stuff looks good. I'm a fan of this. I was I was staring at the screen, Tony, because I was like, what are Soffel's Pitta chips? And I was wondering if I'm going to get my hand. they got some snacks back here, Tony. Uh, can't quite tell. We got some salt and vinegar chips. Ooh, pickled onion chips. Those look good. Uh, got some twiglets. Yes, I was zoomed in on the twiglets. I don't know what a twiglet is. I'm going to have to look up what a twiglet is. Um, There's other stuff on the but, side there that he's cut off. Come on, Cascade Dink. Lift your snack game, son. Yeah, yeah, we got to know what a twiglet. I'm looking up what a twiglet is. going to take forever for it to load but uh jacob's twiglets have been an important part of british life for every major occasion from birthday parties to christmas they are whole mm, they are whole wheat crunchy knobbly sticks made to look like twigs they have a sticky marmite flavor coating on them which gives them the zesty and zingy taste i would try this hell yeah i would i would go some of this you know i like some umami these are sort of like a these are so yeah these are like a marmite covered Somewhere between a pretzel and a Cheeto, it looks like. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, That's right. exactly yes. what they look like. Interesting. That All would right. be killer I would try with that. Yeah. Hit it up now. Um, we can get they, them at Woolworths. The, we have these Dots, Dots pretzels. Oh, you can get them at Woolworths. You can get yourself some. Yeah, uh, we have the we have the Dots pretzels, which are like little pretzel sticks, but they're covered in so much butter and like powdered garlic salt or something, they're the best. Um, uh, I love those things, but they're death. Man, Woolies, uh, you need to lift uh, your game because um, it's not showing Mafra as a Woolworths store, showing my no closest snore being Tarogan. And trust me, there's a Woolworths in town. It's the only thing we have. 
that no, no, now we know. also have here tony nick was uh posting up some food he had a he had a camel burger homemade camel patties with bacon, egg, and cheese. Oh, now, you can get your you, oh, you can get your the lot burger with the lot here. Gross. You're not a fan of that, yeah. Now, do you, are uh, you familiar with the um, the camel issue within the Australian outback? No, I'm not familiar with the camel issue within the Australian outback. Has have, not come up. Have you got um, any sort of invasive species that just runs wild in your west or the middle of? America, because we've just got camels that were brought over here as a tool for the explorers. Um, yeah, and it, and it's kind of the reason why the Simpsons had that episode about the um, the frog. While it relates to the Australian cane toad as well, the the amount of camels yeah, the, in yeah. Australia, I think we have the largest um, population of feral camels anywhere in the world. Insane. We had uh, in in Chicago. We had. Uh, Asian carp. Mm. Uh, we had the infestation of the Asian yeah, carp. We have that too. And, um, and then they tried to, they were fishing it and they actually, somebody actually tried to eat it and it Ugh. was good. Really? Uh, they said it was decent as a fried fish option, you know, kind of a delicate flavored white fish. I mean, Tony, we, we eat lake fish up there all the time. Catfish and all that stuff. Yeah. Murky. Um, which would have been fine, but nobody would eat it cause it's had such a bad rap. So good luck. Um, that was the, that's the best one I can come up with. Um, mostly I think the other invasive species we have are just like, uh, people, street walkers. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really much else than that. Yeah. Our two yeah nothing are like the camel. The camel and of course the cane toad, which, uh, we have so many feral cats. There are so many oh, feral cats in the U S nobody's going to eat cat. No. Um, now I did just see a Sim- a Simpsons. I was just watching the Iron Chef, the new Iron Chef on Netflix, Tony, and um, they there was an episode with milk, and they were doing something with camel milk. Yeah, and uh, apparently it was very good. Um, that's good. It's a good milk to drink. Apparently, it's really good. Um, I know some Australian um, individuals are trying to get camel milk to be a thing. It's very hard to milk a camel, and I'm not saying this is yeah, a it's joke. It's hard to but- hold hold them motherfuckers still. They're yeah. angry. But, well, I don't know what it is because they, they train quite well, but apparently they're not easy to milk, not like, say, a goat or a sheep or a cow. So yeah, I wonder if they don't produce as much either because it's I think what it could be right dry. Yeah, because yeah, they are. Um, but it should be high heard, in fat. But the, guy was, the feller made ice cream with it, and he said it's, very, it's fatty and sweet. Yep. And uh, I guess the ice cream was amazing. So uh, I would have I had some of that for sure. Um, Tony in the show chat, uh, we had, um, I had some glass whales news this week, Tony. Uh, this came across my desk. Been a while since we've done glass whales, the glass whales yep. game. Uh, I had a, uh, so these were four trade, a, a set of Troon glassware. This is actually a brewery I was not familiar with. Um, so these are nice. They look like some deep, bold sort of wine. Style glass stemmed, yeah. thin stem glasses, yep. Uh, not quite a teku, but maybe closer to a red wine glass. Um, so he paid secondary for these. Uh, and um, the, the amount he posted these for, or no, the offer he got for these was $4,500. <laughs> 
And this guy said, as much as I appreciate the offer, I value the set a little higher, about six to $7,000 for the two glasses, Tony. Now, this is where I have a problem with his plot price. Where does he value them really? Okay, $4,500 was not it. Do you value them at six k or seven k? Like, don't put in six to seven k. Like, what are you what are you trying to do there? Give us a firm price, and we can yeah, whittle you down. Yeah, if you're going to say it's that much, don't make me an offer. But boy, the fact that somebody got in there and made an offer of that much—I mean, that's you're on Pawn Stars now, baby. You're yeah. forty five hundred. Is you got to take it? That is delusional. Nuts, yeah. Like, anyways. <laughs> Um, Max Allotment was familiar with, with Troon. I, I was not. Uh, Troon is a very unique brewery, which creates hysteria among the local beer nerds. They put out world-class beer, but are open only two hours per week because their capacity is limited to around 200 cans, which sell out instantly. So the same hundred people who live closest to the brewery grab it all up, resulting in a crazy secondary market for their beer and glassware. They put out the best beer in the state, but almost never, no one ever gets to try it quite the business model and boy that is something else and he's not posting a picture of his own glassware because he might drop it when he takes it out of the cabinet that's pretty good um what else we got tony um uh, oh yeah uh, we did get some big news this week tony i wanted to read this um the guardian has named griffin tony from the beer engine podcast as the gods of the podcasting world The duo have been making the popular podcast for over four years eh, and has become one of the most popular shows in the UK. (laughs) The Guardian praised the pair for our infectious enthusiasm and encyclopedic knowledge of beer. Tony, nice job. (laughs) And said that they have helped to make the beer world more accessible to a wider audience. The duo said they were humbled by the award. Yeah, and they hoped it would encourage more people to give podcasting a try. <laughs> Tony, congrats, my friend. We got we finally got the recognition we deserve. But why did you say we were humbled? This is something we expected. We expect more praise. To be honest, I'm I'm not humbled by it. I. I, I think yeah. we deserve more praise. I, Fuck I think, you, the Guardian. You you got to give us more than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, who Hook quoted this shit? Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, and our picture came out great in the article too. Corey asked what picture we used, and I think I think I think they used the best picture we have. Me and my white suit, uh, naval, naval suit. white naval suit, <laughs> and you in your uh, in your white in your tuxedo with the white tie. Yep, looking perfect. Looking very um, it's. <laughs> So, you know what? Maybe a little more from that particular writer a little bit later in the show. In fact, I think I might have some more from that guy. Oh, really? So that's kind of cool. It sounds uh, like a doozy. Yeah. It's something else. Tony, why don't we jump over to the mail keg, huh? We can do that. So, Tony, we got Nick Torque back on here. I think that's the only question. Uh, or no, do we have one more? Oh yeah, here, here we got one from Corey. Let's start with Corey. Okay. Sorry. Uh, you guys talk a fair amount of politics. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, but I need to know who is the hottest world leader. Sure, you might say Finland's prime minister, but to me, it had always been a two-horse race between Trudeau and Macron. Uh, 
What do you think, Tony? I just watched. I don't know if you've seen the show Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. Phil Rosenthal, I have, absolutely. He's yeah, cute, cute show. But um, love it. He just did Finland, and the Prime Minister of Finland was uh, on the show. And Tony, she's she's a looker. She, I is. gotta say, yeah, she's a looker. Um, so it's hard for me. To, I I mean, I I guess I guess I'd put. I guess I'd put Trump a close second, but after that, I really don't know. You know, these guys aren't really doing it doing it for me. The uh, you know Trudeau Macron combo. Macron's a little short. Yeah, um, I sort of like a big burly guy with with some kind of meaty nubbin hands, and that's why I love <laughs> Trump. So, Tony, what do you think? Who's your Who's your hot world leader? Like second runner up to to Finland. This is shows yeah, how Finland's far it drops. Um, is Jacinda Ardern. Like, she's not unattractive, don't get me wrong, New Zealand Prime Minister, but it's a big drop, got to be honest. Yeah, I think she, the curve got set a little high yeah. is the problem. You sort of, you sort of, um, you, you're sort of taken aback Oh, by, hang on, we've got one, we found yeah. one. The Estonian fr- Prime Minister. It's right across the damn... Way there from Finland, Tony. Yep. She she's in the running. I've got to say, they're trying to they're trying to out hot each other. Yep, Finland and Estonia. That's right across the. Uh, those are two places I would like to go, Tony. I've, I've I've only I've been in the Finland airport, but I would like to go to Finland, and I would also like to go to Estonia. I've heard it's so. Quite it really comes down to you to want a, a blonde or a brunette. That's that's really your choice with world leaders. I, I have a I have an established answer for this that I have to we're going to roll with so you know what it is. Uh, yep, you're going <laughs> Finland. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Finland, baby. I, I got to type. Nah. Um, I I remember a period of time where Iceland had a had sort of an attractive leader, but I don't know if that's current. Like, I believe it's a guy now. I think it's an old guy now. It is an old guy now because I just saw something from them, but. Um, and Sarah Palin. We didn't even talk about Sarah Palin yet, Tony. But she's not a world leader. She's somebody that yeah. tried to get into office and and failed. She, um, she was right across. She could see Russia. <laughs> this is true. Right, right there. You know. Um, uh, yeah. After that, I think it's tough, Tony. I think yeah. I think after Finland and Estonia, I think you're I think you're dire straits. New Zealand in third. Now, hot take here. I think Sarah Palin when she was running, is hotter than either Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Bobert. Hot take. Not she is, these. you'd say? I, w- I would say yes. Yeah, I would I would agree with that, yep. honestly. if Just removing all the demon components of all three of them, I would say, yeah, I think that's a, that's a reasonable, reasonable thing. And we, and we aren't counting any, like, senators or anything. I mean. No. We're just going to bypass that. Yeah, fuck that. Um, all right. What else we got? Uh, we have uh, Nick uh, this from Nick Torque. 300, 300% markup on these takeaway six packs of shitty domestic beer at Ayers Rock. Uh, what's the worst price gouging you've ever experienced other than at sporting events? And just to compare... Now, Tony, he let's 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 just pick one of these and see what's a good mark. So he got the quad X, quadruple no. X dry no, lager. No, 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 no. You're going to have to say it correctly. 
that's not how we say it in Australia. It's forex. What do you call it? Forex. Forex. Sorry. Forex. Forex dry lager is thirty-five dollar dues. Six pack. Um, for a six pack. So now you're looking at what? That's a, a solid five, so almost six dollars. Yep. A six pack. Or a, sorry, okay. a, a beer, Australian. Yep. So uh, what what would that go for? What would that beer go for down at the Day in Murphy's? You guys don't have cheap beer anyways. So. No, but if you were to buy a slab of that, which is what we would call it in Australia, which is generally either a 24 or 30 pack or in, in craft terms probably an 18 pack, um, mm-hmm. that would go for around the $50 mark for – okay. And I think that's sold in a in a thirty pack for around the fifty five dollar mark. So that's quite that's quite expensive. That's quite the markup. That is a super pricey markup. We're saying that's going from around ten to twelve dollars for for a six six beer equivalent to thirty five. Okay, so yeah. All right, so Tony, what is what is the worst you've seen markup wise? It wouldn't be in six pack form, but. Of course, it comes down to events, whether they be seasonal things. The one place I can think of is the snowfields in Victoria. The bar prices in there are astronomical for beer is extraordinary. But it's also, in non-sporting event terms, it's also other things like concert venues um, when you go and see like a, a rock act. And it doesn't have to be in like your Rod Laver arenas or, or your big concert venues, but anywhere you go to like a theatre or I saw um, the Whitlam's at Hamer Hall, which is a um, where an orchestra plays, and their beers were like $16 for a, for a Cooper's Sparkling Ale, which is a hell of a markup. But I would almost consider that in the same class as a sporting uh, event. But they're really the places where I see big markups and you sometimes see it at, at cafes when they're one cafe towns. That's where you see big, sure. big markups because they're the only place you can sit down and have a, a beer and they don't have a BYO licence. Yeah. Boy, I'm having a hard time thinking about this. Um, not at a sporting event. So I would say the entire nation of Iceland, uh, if, you're buying, if you're buying beer for your house, um, and this is why you see when people land in Iceland, they are because they're one of the few places in the world where you can buy at the duty free as a resident. You don't have to be leaving the country to buy from wow. duty free. So they, you will see people just filling carts of beer at the duty free because the tax on liquor is so high in if you go to the state liquor store in Reykjavik, for example, yep. um, it'll cost three, four times as much. Uh, so you see flight attendants just carrying out beer, wine, just like <laughs> going nuts. Um, so that's probably the, a whole nation of a, of a markup. And I think Norway is supposedly very similar to that. Um, have I seen anything quite like this just out of like isolation, is it like isolation or something? Eh, you know, it's hard, hard for me to say. I've never really lived in any, any situation like that. Um, and honestly, the place, there's sort of this, this line you could draw where the place here in the U S where the place gets slightly more isolated, somehow the beer gets cheaper. 
because really? it's a cheap, it's a low cost of living. So if you go to the middle of Illinois and you buy, and there, there will be places with 75 cent beers and stuff, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. It's nuts. So, you know, whatever, maybe it's just due to the high, what due to highways and everything being not that far and connected here in the distribution network and stuff. But I couldn't tell you why, um, yeah. you know, games and shit, obviously overpriced. I think one of the worst things, I know it's not a game and I know it's one of those unique places, but LaGuardia airport had the like $28 beers. Um, I didn't buy one, <laughs> but like one beer was $28. Um, that was pretty amazing to do. Um, I know airport, I think based on everything I've seen, airport markups are sort of a uniquely American experience to a degree too. I don't know if you you have them too, but it's crazy here. Yeah. We do have airport markups, but I I think you're right there. It is a uniquely American thing just to the extent that goes to, I I was trying to think what a beer runs you at the Melbourne airport. I think it is more expensive than just going out anywhere in Melbourne and getting a beer, but it's, it's right. not like a two or three times markup. It's like a 150% markup. Right. Yeah. I think, I think in Copenhagen, the, the, markup, Mickler, the Mickler bar in, in Copenhagen airport is the same prices as the one in the fucking street. So, um, which doesn't make it cheap cause it's Denmark, but it's still not bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I did post here, Tony, speaking of Mark now Tavor, I don't know. The thing is, I'm trying to compare like normal beers because whatever, like buying these fancy beers is just sort of has its like built in problem. Yeah, it does. But this is a good example. And Tony, you, we, you can guess if I bought this beer or not. But um, Tony, a beer hit Tavor yesterday, right when Nick Torque posted to this. It's called A Deal with Evil. And the idea is Evil Twin collaborated with Anchorage, who makes Deal with the Devil. And they made their own version with them of Deal with Evil, this one. So it's their Evil Twins Barley Wine Batch 11 blended with Anchorage's Deal with the Devil, double oaked. And then, uh, and that's it. So their Batch 11 spent 28 months in Sinequanon red wine barrels, then aged 12 months in Henry Henry McKenna 12-year bourbon barrels. Deal with the Devil, aged eight months in Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels before transferring to Woodford Reserve double oak barrels for seven months. It was one 500 mil bottle, yeah, kind of a good size, uh, for $80, Tony, 17% BA barley wine. Tony, did I buy that? Absolutely, you bought that. Of course you yeah, did. Yeah, you're right, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, you're right, I bought it. Um, uh, PMAC put on there that... Uh, he uh, Australia got deal with the devil. It was ninety bucks for one bottle. Australian, I mean, only three times more than the fucking four X lager. So whatever. Um. So maybe he should have thought about it. Right now, it's two hundred dollars. Jesus. For a twenty eighteen deal with the devil. That's a lot. But it does sound but, delicious. Hey, Got to be honest. It does sound delicious. Oh, deal with. Deal of the Devil is fire, dude. I got, I mean, I, it, it's, it's that, that deal with evil was a steal comparatively because deal with the devil is a 12 ounce bottle for a hundred dollars. Um, here and yep. 69 here, I'm getting a 500 mil for 80 bucks. Oh man, I'm riding high now. I can go gamble again. <laughs> you can always Perfect. gamble. It's true. I, they, 
listen, what, what's the old, what's the old corny joke is you find the guy, the guy on the street begging for money. He's like, oh, I got an, I need money for dinner. And he's like, uh, well, well, how do you know? I'm not, I'm not going to give you these money, this money, and you're going to go gamble it. And he's like, Oh, I got gambling money. So there you go. Good joke, Tony. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, I don't think there's anything left in discord. If you guys would like to join the discord and answer us and ask, don't answer our questions. We have to do that. Ask the questions for us in the mail keg or post any of your fun travels or your food or whatever it is you're doing. You can do that. Just drop us a note on Instagram. We're at beer engine pod over email, beer engine show at gmail.com. Um, uh, and, or donate $1 to us. KO FI.com slash beer engine podcast. And you will get that link. Tony, let's go to the beers of the week. Logger of the week. Chris logger of the week. Chris, Logger of the Week. All right, Tony, you go first. Logger of the Week. I'm going to go back to that, Will. I'm going to do the classic grip, Griff move of saying the same pills over and over again. It's just because I picked up yes. another four-pack today. 11, I might have said it was 12 bucks. It's 11.58 um, in Aldi. It is Crumbucker Pills, four-pack, $11.58. They're 500-mil cans. It's a bargain for a fucking good beer. Griff, hopefully yours is a little fancier. I went fancy. I have a new one this week, although I did just drink a Trumer Pills. Delicious. Um, But uh, on Monday in San Diego, went over to North Park Beer Company. Now, this was a San Diego brewery I had yet to visit. This is a new one for me. Uh, they are a little more than I think compared to almost every other San Diego brewery, which has a little more of a traditional West Coast bent. This is more of the hype brewery. So they are doing your, they got some hazies. They are making your sugar stout. They're making West Coast IPA still, don't worry. But one other thing they made was this delightful Pilsner called Birdie to Bogey. It's the official disc flinging beer. Now out there, these surfer guys and shit they love their fr- their froth they're playing froth tony um they love their frisbee golf uh this one's built for ultimate crushability this is a non-traditional pills tony this one is loaded with strata citra and mosaic hops it's a california pills it's the perfect companion for your next round of banging chains tony uh this was a nice uh very lemony sort of citrusy uh, lightly dank pills, um, super duper refreshing, and they had some cool glassware for this beer, so uh, quite enjoyable. Really liked it. Excellent. Sounds yeah. Sounds like it's it's in that new style: New Zealand pills, Italian pills, yeah, California pills, whatever. That. Yeah. Whatever variety you want to call it, it's sort of that that super hoppy version of of pills, which is great. Yeah, I would say that that's about that's about right. Uh, Tony, why don't we move into uh, beers, normal beers, bottom fermenting beers. That's cool. Tony, I had a couple I got a shout here shout out here. I'm sorry. I uh 
I don't want to. Um, I don't. I don't want to take too long here. But okay. uh, one one I one I just have to put out there is uh, I did. So they had a nice selection of the Mickler Bauhound beers at the Mickler Little Italy, which was a cute little place. Actually, had much more of a Scandinavian feel than any of the other Californian ones I've been to. But I had to go peek it out because uh, they had all these uh, this big drop they had gotten from Denmark, and they had the Creek Vanille. The Creek Vanille uh, is a you know the Danish farmhouse ale with Stevensberg cherries and vanilla. And, uh, you know, I love that, you know, I love those fancy Frederick stall cherries. It was perfect, nice and balanced, easy to drink, not too sour. Um, just delightful. And, uh, the other one I wanted to put out there was another one from North park. Um, I know I, I talk about Burgeon all the time. I love those beers, but I got to do this one too. This was Pierpont's maple pecan pancakes by North park. This was a Jim Beam barrel-aged imperial porter with toasted pecans and maple, and um, it was wonderful. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> it was great. It was sweet. It wasn't too sweet, though. It wasn't thick, boy, because it was a porter, I guess. I don't know, but it wasn't a thick, boy. A little drier, easier to drink, um, really, really tasty. Tony, you want to? Uh, I'll give you. You can do a quick untapped on this one. Or untrapped. This is. Um, uh, this only has 62 check-ins, so I won't be too harsh on you. This one, 11.2% barrel-aged Imperial Porter. I told you what it is, yeah. Yep. So this is super high, uh, 4.38. Nice job, Tony. 4.32. There you so go. So you get that one. Well done. But those are my faves. Of course, I loved all the old, uh, you know, I loved me some of those uh, IPAs and uh, from Burgeon. Uh, had a nice, um, had a brew three K over at bottle craft. That was cool. But, uh, no, I think those two are my faves. How about you, Tony? To give me, give me some good stuff from this week. Yeah. I drank some quality stuff. I'll, I'll just give one honorable mention and that's what I'm drinking right now. Uh, that is the Ambrosia, um, beer, which is a fruited tropical IPA from Bacchus, mm. um, 7.8%, mm. really Delicious beer, nice thick boy. Um, sort of like it's it's meshing three styles. It's it's like your fruited IPA mixed with your Australian Pacific Ale mixed with like an English IPA. Really, really delicious. Got those orange yeah, characteristics. That good. I like how they sort of mimic the marshmallows with sort of the thickness of the beer. But my standout beer for the week was another Bacchus beer. They've been killing it lately. It's not the only thing I've been drinking. You can check out the other stuff I've checked in recently. But the Belgian Mocha Stout was really outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, 7.8% alcohol, uh, rich coffee stout balanced with chocolate, carefully selected premium coffee beans, cold steeped and added late in the brewing process to ensure maximum flavour. We'll do a quick untrapped um there are 679 check-ins, Griff. Um, contains water, barley, wheat, candy syrup, coffee, chocolate, hops, and yeast. Ooh. How many 600 what check-ins? 679 check-ins. Uh, I'm going to go with like a 4.07. 
Oh, you miss it by the barest of margins. 4.18. You're outside mm. that 10th. Oh, well. well, another miss for me. <laughs> you know, I'm not as well, I'm not as practiced as you are, I guess. No, but uh, it's, uh, it's a really good mocha stout. Like sometimes they overdo the chocolate, but this was just sort of like a really nice, like mocha stout that was. Had a nice wacky coffee to it, which I'm a big fan of. That sounds good. All right, Tony. Well, we did some good drinking this week. I'll give us give ourselves some credit on that. Uh, now, what what does this week hold? I don't. I guess uh, we'll. You know, I'm not going anywhere, so we'll, we're just going to have to learn. Are you going anywhere, Tony? Or no. are we just no. we just stuck normal shit. Yeah, I just get it. Oh, I mean, I'm going to drink some Horace after this. So maybe I will get some. I'm not going to go that fancy, uh, but I did check in at Dan Murphy's. I picked up a few different beers, but I also picked up another Gabs pack. There are two Gabs packs mm-hmm. out there for anybody in Australia. So make sure you pick up both Gabs packs, which is the uh, great Aussie Beer Spectacular um, available. I'm not sure whether they're exclusive to Dan Murphy's, but you should be able to find them anywhere. Um, and they normally have some interesting beers. So right. um, right. I'll, I'll be yeah. I'll be drinking through those. Perfect. Now, here's a plan. All right. Uh, I'll be drinking through whatever Corey's has, and then I'm going to a baseball game Saturday, so maybe I'll drink some, some nice hot baseball beers. should be 106 degrees, so <laughs> should be great. Tony, why don't we jump over to a round of Hyper Beer Nerd Dork Shit News. Let's do that. Hyper Beer Nerd Dork Shit News. Tony, this is, a, this is a blast from the past year, from last year. Tired Hands founder left amid allegations of toxicity. The toxicity of our city. No? Okay. Now he's back again against workers' wishes, so not even System of a Down, although the guy looks like he could be like a roadie for System of a Down. Um, following allegations, this is from Kate Bernat over at Good Beer Hunting. Uh, following allegations of sexism in a hostile work environment, Jean Broyer the Fourth. I, I can only assume that's how you pronounce that. Stepped down from all daily operations at Tired Hands Brewery in May 2021. But without a similar public announcement, he has made a full-time return to the Ardmore, Pennsylvania Brewery to once again oversee day-to-day functions of the business. Uh, a current Tired Hands employee says Broyer has... Uh, <laughs> do you think his name it means Gene the Broiler? It could be. Do you think, bro- you think Broyer means bro- Gene the Broiler? Uh, has affected John the Broiler. Sorry, it sounds like a mafia name. Has effectively resumed his role as CEO and is at the brewery's facility six days a week. Um, he just sort of snuck in. Employees really don't want him around. The former employer employee says. Um, what else we got? Oh, the Broyer's emer- reemergence is a return to the status quo that Tired Hands pledged to change in the wake of allegations that surfaced last year. Accounts from employees shared with then Notch Brewing. Brewer Brian Allen and reposts on her Instagram described Bray as intimidating and hostile to employees, especially women. Uh, so Tired Hands owner is uh, back. Uh, they are also harassing back to um, Brian Allen, a.k.a. Rap Magnet, and saying, um, 
Screenshots. Oh, sorry. Alan says that last week the Tired Hands Instagram account messaged her and implied the company would take legal action against her if she did not remove the posts that referenced the brewery. Screenshots of these direct messages uh, in, uh, sorry, have been reviewed by Good Beer Hunting. In two now-deleted Instagram stories, Tired Hand Brewing's official account wrote, just please stop with your harassment at Rat Magnet and please stop trying to hurt good people at Rat Magnet. It is not clear who is running the Tired Hands Instagram. <laughs> oh boy so tired hands you know that's obviously bad and i but i guess that's not really that interesting to talk about i guess on this podcast is that tired hands is fucked and you know we shouldn't go there and this guy is clearly a fucking lunatic right yeah but i i guess what i'm what i would say is and and i i really don't want this to come off as being um, unempathetic or apathetic, I guess would be the more correct word to use. But I, I guess this is sort of validating something that I, I think we we spoke about earlier, which is that I don't I don't know that posting and selling shirts and making a collaboration beer is maybe not going to ak to quote cut the mustard uh, in terms of building equality in the yeah. beer uh, ecosystem. <laughs> um, I I think. Maybe, maybe that old wacko Bernard Sanders has a point when he talks about income inequality being sort of a, uh, or 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 other inequalities being the genesis or being a driver of things like racism and sexism because they build deeper sets of inequalities. And I think that is maybe an issue here too. In that uh, this disorganized set of workers that really has no power to challenge for things like better wages or better conditions, uh, they're all working independently, doesn't really have any sort of angle to improve conditions other than saying, don't go to the brewery, um, which isn't for just, it's just not going to work. That's just not going to work. People, yeah. not everybody pays attention to this shit or cares or even knows that it exists. You know, any of these Insta- Instagram account, what? what are you talking about? I live down the street from here. My, my mom was in town and I wanted to go somewhere that had a good burger. You know, there's not really any, this isn't matter. Right. So it's, I, I just don't see a way out of this. That's not organization of labor, oh, not to be course, too yeah. mayday guy, but there's no way out of it that, that involves like, okay, if everybody buys a t-shirt and all the breweries make the brave noise beer, it'll all be better. But all the all the money that's gone to that stuff, it's not going to the wrong places. I'm not going to say that. It's going to meaningful causes that draw yeah. like awareness to this stuff. But there's probably a different type of organization that needed to be done on like a brewery to brewery level than just these national sort of, um, hey, let's support women and, and uh, minorities and stuff. Of course, we want to do that stuff. But it doesn't really advance the cause of the guy of like the third shift brewer lady. You know what I mean? You're right there. But isn't that a biggest systemic problem with the American labor force and and probably the world labor force in general is the inability. Which is what makes it makes you feel like this is all pointless, right? Yeah. The only thing I would say is at least we're stopping the worst of the worst, um, hopefully. I'm not saying we are, but at least we're stopping some of the worst of the worst. Not all, not not even most, but some. If we can make 
through noise. I mean, even this guy came back, and this was one of the first guys that everyone was yeah. like, that guy's a fucking creep. You yeah. know? <laughs> but if we can make it better for somebody, that's better than making it better for nobody. And, of course, yeah. And no, that, that, yeah, no, that's right. yeah. my only sort of counterpoint to you. I agree that, that you do need to unionise, but with the ability of of companies um, to to <laughs> – not union break, but to push anti-union propaganda in the workforce, it, it, yeah. it makes it so hard to actually get unions to actually start up. You see what's happened at Amazon and the trouble I have there. Even sort of companies that are, have a decent human rights records that that push against um, unionisation, like Mo, which is employee-owned, Um you see that the trouble that they're having because of the sort of bum fight between those that own the company and those that want to unionize. And so, yeah, I agree with you that unionization and, is the change, but if we can yep. make working conditions for one better, it's better than doing nothing. And I, I'd yep. rather shout into the, to the void and have 99.9% of this stuff go unnoticed. And if we can yep. get one bit of change for, I'm happy. I'm not happy with that, but I'd rather that than nothing. But to be clear, and I agree with you, and I, and also to be clear that organ work organization doesn't fix everything by any stretch of the imagination because that yeah. creates a potentially whole new set of problems. But um, it's a better set, anyways. At least, at least, at least the creeps are coming from in the house, inside the house. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> at least you're all getting paid better. more. At least the creeps are around. And you're getting paid more, yeah. So whatever, but it's it's just the um, there's something there's something about the the angle, and I, I've I've complained about this before, and it's never come off well. The ang the the whole there's everything is we have we, let's make a collab beer is yeah. is sort of this angle we keep <laughs> taking, and I'm like, eh, is that really a way to do? I just don't know. I appreciate the awareness. I appreciate that it gets, you know, it puts on menus and everybody looks at a menu. You're right, at the brewery. Yeah, I'm not so much you know? talking about the, the collab beer, but I'm talking about the this account and the changes that it's made, I think have been more meaningful than things like the, the collab beers. Um, and I think for, for global causes, I think collab beers work, but for things like industries just, systemic yep. problems i really don't think that they do they and do I the do right thing i don't want to diminish the the cause or the or the yeah. um the results from you know brian allen's work i mean obviously it, it had tangible benefit yeah in a grand scale but it is concerning uh, um because, you know, uh, some of the guys didn't even leave. I mean, Sean Hill just was like, no. You know, he's just like, yeah. I'm just going to continue being whatever, you know. But. And so, so that you're right. Uh, yeah. You're, you're right. May, more, you're more right than me in that there was, there's benefit, but it is very frustrating. And, and you try to wrap your head around like, why, what is happening? And, and it is more of a U.S. problem with all this stuff, right? With. Labor and everything, but also with like t-shirts 
this fucking country loves selling shit <laughs> that's for a true. cause. I just it just drives me up a wall. <laughs> and I know that that's a way to raise money. I get I understand. It's not a bad way. It's a way, but it's it just there's just no country has you you could there are some people with their whole t-shirt wardrobe is just some 10 different causes that they wear, you know, and that's great, but it also is like what's the real like the outcome here i don't know you but know I, I so don't maybe, think- maybe i'm just pissed off i don't know it just sucks and this guy is just like was able to waltz right back in and whatever you yeah. know yeah that's what you should be pissed off at and i i get <laughs> there are two sides to this coin because we recently had a big fundraiser there's a ex-afl coach who has motor neurons disease um and his thing he's been selling these these blue beanies, and I would say ninety percent of the crowd that rocked up to the to that football that day bought that beanie, which raised funds, mm-hmm. and it gave an outward sign of of supporting the cause in a bigger sure. way than just donating. And that wasn't the only way to donate, and that's great. But you're right this this sort of honor badge system right. of charity is an issue, but it's not an issue within the beer world or even within America. I think it's an issue with the entire world. We all want to be of course, yeah. given credit for our live, live selfless charities. Yeah. Live. Coney, remember Coney? Coney, Coney 20. 2012. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. We, we want honour badges. We want our untapped yeah. badges for our charity. And that's that's yep. what the T-shirt is. It, the T-shirt is, is a symptom of us. It's not the person selling the T-shirt that's at issue. It's at us wanting to collect it's that right. T-shirt no. as a whole. You're right. And not really, and hardly caring about whatever it's meaning. Yeah. yeah right. I, I agree. Um, it, it's a, uh, but it's a frustrating outcome for them. Uh, I, I, as I've admitted before, I've been to Tired Hands. I had an excellent katsu sandwich there um and did drink some nice beers i can't can't argue with that the beers were lovely um but i you know of course will not be drinking them anymore and uh you know it's stinky that's stinky i don't like it um if you're not visiting that's fine he might say i don't give a fuck but if we get one percent of the tired hands population not showing up anymore that hurts his bottom line one percent maybe that's like the difference between him buying the top of the range Mercedes and the middle of the range Mercedes. And if we can hurt him that much, well, it's better than nothing. That is true. He gets the, uh, oh, shit, I'm going to have to buy the middle mid-range Lexus. All right, Tony, the Modern Times saga is over? Question mark? Not sure yet. This is also from Kate Bernat, who will who is the beneficiary of me already being on Good Beer Hunting's page, which is <laughs> uh, has sort of a easy load set up here. Um, so Modern Times uh, has been sold after auction to a brewery from Anaheim called Brewery X. Um, Tony Brewery X. I, I really don't know much about them other than. Uh, we have a friend. Uh, it was actually our friend who made the steaks and bottle share and all this, all that stuff. Who loves their hard seltzer, and it's because their hard seltzer is ten percent alcohol. Well, um, that's so not what I'm saying. Hard seltzer that will get you extremely fucked up. Oh, the hardest seltzer is ten yeah. percent. 
So, yeah. Oh, and yep. they have a 15% mint julep or old-fashioned hard seltzer. And they're $5 yeah, for a 12-ounce can. That is yep. bonkers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, seems right, like Tony, they're, so. mo- they're more a um, like fruited brewery than anything yeah, else. People, some people like them. I haven't met anybody that's crazy about it. But, um, yeah, so uh, Brewery X had the um, – uh, oh, sorry. Lawyers for MTD Asset Acquisition have filed an objection to the outcome of the June 17th auction in which Brewery X had the winning bid to acquire Modern Times. Uh, so MTD Ventures or MTD Asset Acquisition – uh, okay, so this guy is president is K Bagby Taylor, and he was the former CEO and founder of Next Glass, which is the parent company of Untapped Beer Advocate and Hop Culture. So I actually, so this is just some kind of venture cap, beer venture capitalist company yeah. or whatever that runs this. Brewery X is Brewery X in here? Okay, so there's nothing. So this this is disputed still, but I, I think Brewery X is going to end up being being the place. Okay, here we go. Uh, Brewery X um, beat out individuals associated with North Carolina-based True Colors Brewery and Maui's Stalking Horse Big because they uh, bid because Maui offered seven point six million. Brewery X offered twenty million, so they went over. Um, according to Modern Times CEO Jennifer Briggs, uh, they have to confirm the results of the auction still, but uh, Brewery X originated from a project of University of Southern Carolina's Master of Science Entrepreneurship and Innovation Program by 2018 alumni Paige Pennington. These people have the most insufferable names. Paige Pennington, Carly Pennington, and my favorite guy, who's the current CEO, Clayton Wellbank. Uh, who sounds like a fucking libertarian presidential candidate. Um, and uh, whatever, they run this brewery. <coughs> I uh, thought you were going party. to say Chad Pennington. Chad Chad Pennington, the Jets quarterback. Yeah. Yep. Who couldn't um, throw over four yeah, yards. Clayton, well, Clayton Wellbank. Brewery X uh, is in this, has bar taproom spaces at the Ducks and the Angels stadiums and a space at Ontario International Airport. Ontario, California, Tony, not yeah, Ontario, yeah. Canada. No, and um, they uh, have their brewery director runs ran Ballast Point Brewery, the brewery and Pizza Port at different times. So whatever this company wanted, I I don't know what their setup is. Although the only thing, and I this is not an accusation I'm making. This is just I heard this one was somebody saw that Brewery X was buying them and called and said, oh, I guess instead of modern times, now it's MAGA times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there may be something about Brewery X that I don't quite have a feel for, but they're, um, they're, uh, they're Trump, Trump loving. I don't know, but uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I can't confirm or deny that. I just know the guy's name is Clayton Wellbank, which makes me believe, you know, exactly that. So, of course, I'm uh, I'm familiar with um, cool. Ontario, California, because it was the home of a speedway that was known as the Indianapolis of the East. Sorry, the West. West. Because yeah. Indianapolis is in the East. Um, mm-hmm. That was a um, super speedway in the 
70s and 80s for USAC and I'm not sure whether they ran NASCAR, but yeah. So I am familiar with um, Ontario, California and I think Deep Purple played there as part of the California Jam and I've got that um, on CD, the uh, live bootleg of that, not on vinyl. That's cool. All right, Tony, one more news story. Uh, this is from the from CBS 42 in, in New Orleans. Taste of the Future, first artificial intelligence-created craft beer to be released at NOLA Brewing. Locals will have a chance to try the first craft beer created by artificial intelligence platform in June. The AI Blonde Ale will be released at a launch party at NOLA on June 20th to coincide with CVPR, the world's premier computer vision event. Um, so this was a experiment between the NOLA and the Australian Institute for Machine Learning and Barossa Valley Brewing. Uh, and it all started with a beer. Ah, and what they did was they used like, it's okay. About 10 million people review beers each day. There are all these sites and they put it in the world to basically show people what they think of beer. You do the exact same thing. There are five questions. You scan a QR code, answer five questions, you rate the beer. Instead of it going to a website, maybe somebody reads, maybe not. What happens is AI picks that up, goes directly to the producer. The AI then takes all that data and manipulates a recipe and gives it to the producer and says, here is what the market is thinking. So this is like a beer brewed out of untapped reviews, but there's no fruit in it. What the fuck? No, because what, they, um, what they're doing is they're taking a very narrow set of parameters. They're not taking every beer in the world. They're taking a beer, they're getting feedback from that beer, and then they're making an iteration rather than from testers and recipe development but from a computer algorithm. At least that's how I understand it. That That's sort of how it, it, it bears out, which will – be fine. I think it's a. I don't think it's going to be anything revolutionary. I think for mass market beer, I think it's a way to hone your product. I don't think it's a way to develop a product and it will lead to no innovation. But if you're looking to refine a mass market product, I'm fine. I think this is. I don't even think this is cool. I think this is. Yeah, it's a step, and it's whatever. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to bring it up, but. Does like does that strike fear in my heart? No. Does it bring me joy? No. It's just like it's no different to um, any other algorithm, a stock market algorithm. It's just a refinement of data. It's just a way of manipulating data. That's all it is. And well, Tony, was it important to bring it up, or was it just convenient for me to try to do a segue? Ah. That's the question you really must ask yourself because, Tony, I have been playing around myself with what a uh, little UI doodad, and uh, wouldn't you know it, it's helped me make up a little game for you this week. Uh, So in, in the spirit of our friends over at the Australian Computer Institute or whatever the fuck that was, and... Nola Brewing and whoever else, some guy, uh, I have formulated utilizing uh, some big supercomputers in my house and all my super heavy brain and computing skills and uh, uh, Google and stuff, a little, a little tool that will produce me 
some uh, little brewery descriptions. And I have used that to create a long in waiting edition. It's been months since we did this game, Tony. But this is an edition of two brews and a lie. Uh, let me find that because my document crashed. I didn't know what game we were playing. That's what I put in there. I even put two brews and a lie in there so you would have it. Hey, everyone. Oh, wrong. Man, where is this drop? Let me find it. Hey, Tyler. Oh. <laughs> um, where are you? I, I did have. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's coming. It's coming. Drippies. I do have one. This, this does exist. It does exist. You do exist. No. No. Logger. No. No. Is that it? <laughs> I couldn't find it. I panicked. I all just right. hit all the buttons. All right. Perfect. Um. All right. So two brews and a lie. Uh, that was the sound effect, I think, whatever it was. So, Tony, what I've got for you is three descriptions. These are three articles. That was a lie. Found Perfect. It. There it is. See? Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I've got three. Uh, these are three little articles about breweries opening up in a area uh, in the U.S. So, okay. opening in some town in the U.S., uh, I found the articles that will tell you about the brewery and whatever they're, they're doing and whoever they are. And you'll have to guess which one of these was produced by an artificial intelligence robot. Oh. Um, so there's a little bit of reading here. You're going to have to listen closely. I can do that. Let's see how you do. Uh, I will get us started. I'm going to have you react to each one so it's not just yep. me talking. Gotcha. But this is going to take this. Yeah, well, this will be fine. We'll breeze through this. Here we go. First one, Tony. We got three, you know, as usual with this game, three rounds. Yep. And three articles each. Round one. Oh, yeah. And you have to donate $1 billion to the local um, uh, uh, cult, I think, if you lose. Uh, so the local chapter, the FLDS, you have to donate $1 T-shirts for the LD, oh, FLDS. L FLDS. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Here we go. Number one. A new brewery focusing on Belgian beers is set to open in Athens, Ohio. The brewery, called Belgia, will be located on the east on East State Street and is expected to open its doors in early 2018. The brewery is the brainchild of husband and wife team Nathan and Katie Bruner. Nathan, who is originally from Belgium, has been homebrewing for over 10 years. He was inspired to open his own brewery after moving to Athens and seeing the lack of Belgian-style options in the local beer scene. Belgia will offer a variety of Belgian-style beers, including blondes, wits, and sours. The brewery will also feature a taproom and beer garden. Uh, the Bruners are excited to bring their love of Belgian beer to Athens and share it with the community. They hope that Belgia will become a gathering place for people to enjoy good beer and good company. And this is spelled B-E-L-G-I -E and the E with the umlaut, Tony. Okay. Now, there were a couple of things that stood out. Was Nathan a Belgian name? Okay. And, yes, I can testify that it is. I know that that sort of name, I do see that on cyclists in the Tour de France. Um, okay. The, the thing I find that is non-AI about it is the name. 
that seems a little too on the nose for a computer to come up with. So that's this sort of the the things that sort of perk my ears to perhaps this is real. Um, but okay. the the thing that sort of points me in the other direction is um, the the like lack of Belgian beers. Like, is that really a thing? Like, sure. But but who knows? It's tricky. Next up, a brand new brewery has finally opened in Tivoli, New York. We first reported about a one-of-the-kind brewery opening soon in Columbia County back in April. And according to patrons in Red Hook, Lasting Joy Brewery opened its doors over the weekend. Four mainstay beers are being served up at the brewery, an English beer stout, kind of awkward, a hazy IPA, a Czech Pilsner, and a Belgian wheat. In addition to beer, you'll find a variety of wines, ciders, and cocktails from local businesses at Lasting Joy Brewery. Future plans include having charcuterie boards from Baldwin Farms and food trucks on site on the weekends. Lasting Joy Brewery sits on 32 acres with a tasting room that features large glass windows that give customers a 360-degree view of the outdoor landscape. The brewery was founded by Alex and Emily Wenner, who bought the property back in 2018 when they moved up to the area from New York City. There's number two. This this has more of a ring about um, a, a computer AI thing. I I just think the 360 views is a part of it. The charcuterie plates is says AI to me, um, as do the other the other drinks. That's robots sort of, robots love prosciutto and the gabagool. Gabagool. Yep, they do. Number three, Tony. This is the last one of this round. Despite turbulence in Houston's craft beer scene, people continue to see opportunities in serving Houstonians an expertly crafted IPA. Toward that end, a new brewery will open this fall just north of downtown. Bad Astronaut Brewing Company will debut in the Hardy Yards neighborhood in a 30,000-square-foot converted warehouse. When it opens, the facility will feature both a brewery and a taproom with a range of games such as pool tables, arcade machines, and board games. Owners Chris Fall and Craig Rocky Keener described themselves in a release as very early employees of Carbach Brewing, the well-regarded Houston brewery acquired by international brewing giant Anheuser-Busch in 2016. Initially, they'll produce four beers for both the taproom and limited local distribution, an American IPA, Hazy IPA, Munich Hellas, German Pilsner. The taproom will also offer other bad astronaut beers as well as guest taps from other Houston breweries. That's number three. So, Tony, which one is a lie? I think this is a lie. This seems to me to be the lie. It seems to hit upon trends within the industry without going into specifics. Um, Well, if I was to coin flip it, it would be between the second one and this third one, but this bad astronaut brewing, I think, gimmicky name, I think a computer would come up with that. Uh, it's not on the nose like the first one. There are just signs that I can't... It's not the whole thing that's off. It's just tiny aspects of each statement sure. that, that is slightly off for me. So I think bad S- astronaut. Bad astronaut. Yeah, bad astronaut, lasting joy, and Belgia. And you're going bad astronaut. Yes. And second... Well, first runner-up is um, Lasting Joy, but I'm sticking with Bad Astronaut. Tony, I have some interesting news for you. The AI came up with 
Belgia <laughs> Brewing. Of course they did. <laughs> that was entirely created by a computer. It is fake. Oh, deep fakes. What are you done? There, yep. It's crazy. Um, all right, next round. This one's, th- these next two should be a little, a little speedier, hopefully. Here we go. Uh, I'm losing my voice having okay. to read all this. I'm just kidding. I apologize. Nope. It's my fault. I wrote this long ass game. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Round two. A new brewery focusing on hoppy beers is opening in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, The brewery called Hoppy Beer Company is scheduled to open in early 2017. Hoppy Beer Company is the brainchild of brothers-in-law Nate and Chris Welch, who are passionate about craft beer. The duo has been homebrewing for years and decided to open their own brewery after moving to Little Rock from California. The Welches are focusing on hoppy beers because they feel that the craft beer scene in Little Rock is lacking in that department. They plan to offer a variety of styles of hoppy beer from IPAs to double IPAs to pale ales. In addition to the brewery, the Welches are also opening a tap room where brewery, where, sorry, where customers can sample and purchase their beers. The tap room will also feature a rotating selection of guest beers from other breweries as well as a food menu. Uh, the Hoppy Beer Company is the latest example of the growing craft beer scene in Arkansas. In recent years, several other breweries have opened in the state, including Stones Throw Brewing in Little Rock and Ozark Beer Company in Fayetteville. So that's Hoppy Beer Company. Hoppy Beer Company reads like Belgia. Just switch out the, the Belgium and add some, some hoppiness. Mm. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. I- a new brewery is set to have a soft opening this weekend in Gutenberg. Catherine Clays, the owner of Gutenberg Brewing Company, is only 24 years old. But she said she wanted to open a brewery because of her love for craft beer. She says she did a small tourism study to find out how many people visit Gutenberg and what they do when they visit. In that study, she found the town's population of about 1,700 doubles and sometimes triples on weekends. <laughs> She said her new business will benefit the community by integrating tourists and local residents. Craft beer has always kind of been a good way to get into the community. We're sponsors of locals event, local events. We hope to bring more local events, music, food trucks, event games, trivia, bag tournaments. You know, just way, ways to involve people that are already here. Um, so did this come straight? Gutenberg Brewing. Did this come straight out of SimCity? Because this is sort of like it reads like it's. You know, the tech straight out of SimCity 2000 kind of deal. Oh, man, that I thought the first one was the same as Belgia, but then you've, then you've got this piece of, like, I don't think it's AI. I think it's like a computer game came up with this. Yeah. Well, some of them are from computer games. Just kidding. Um, next up, uh, this is number three. This is, uh, here we go. Charleston will soon see its first lager and hard kombucha brewery open up in June. Bevy Benny Brewing in uh, will have its grand opening on June 25th, being the newest and first of its kind addition to Charleston's brewery district. district. The grand opening is free to the, to the public and will feature live music and food served from food trucks, including Chucktown Meatball Company and Vibrant Alcohol. Line vegan meals. Like the <laughs> names of the names of the food trucks are really funny. Bevy Benny offers rotating <laughs> brews, including lagers, <laughs> sours, and hard kombuchas. At the grand opening, the brewery will have its tap room for guests to mingle with views of the brew house and a large outdoor patio open 
vibrant alkaline vegan meals is really good. Um, all right, Tony, what do you, what do you think? Is it um, the Hoppy Beer Company, Gutenberg Brewing, or Benny Bevy Benny Brewing Company? Bumpy Benny <laughs> bakes burgers of beetroots. Um, <laughs> that's right. That that should be a. That sorry, that should be AI. But I think I don't know why. I've got a feeling. I don't know why, but I think somebody invented that, and I think they're Which they're one? complete weirdos. I'm going to go with option number two. I think the computer game has it. I've forgotten the name of the brewery. You think think Gutenberg Gutenberg Brewing is the fake one by Catherine Clays, who wants to do food trucks, events, games, trivia, and bag tournaments? Yes, I do think. Um, And she's done her market research, and it doubles and triples on a weekend. You know, that was interesting. I actually, um, I didn't didn't pick that because uh, of that, but but um, I did think that that, that math was something that an AI would pull. Yes. Uh, but um, sadly for you, it is not. That was uh-huh. a real article written by a real person with real bad grammar. And uh, the real brewery is, uh, sorry, the fake brewery is the first one again. It is Hoppy Beer Company. Hoppy Beer Company was made up uh, by the computer. Gutenberg is supposedly real. And Lord help me, but the Chucktown Meatball Company and the vibrant alkaline vegan meals are are apparently real life things you could see. So, um, uh, as much as I as much as I want as much as I love them, uh, I could actually go see them instead of just imagining what they are in my mind. So, Tony, you're over two. Let's see if you can squeeze out one here. Let's start with this one. Uh, last one here. Jacksonville's newest craft brewery is aiming to open its doors in mid-April, replacing a closing brewery on Main Street after a brief hiatus. Historically, historically Hoppy Brewing Company will occupy the space that housed Main and Six Brewing Company, an award-winning brewery that officially shuts down after a last hurrah during this weekend's St. Patrick's Day block party. Springfield, owned by two companies, sorry, owned by two couples, Ryan and Brianna McFarland and Aaron and Natalie Leedy, Historically, Hoppy is the culmination of several years of dreaming with the owners looking for, for buildings in and around downtown for almost a year. Uh, the historically Hoppy owners all live in the Springfield neighborhood. We are passionate about this neighborhood and passionate about the direction it's heading. And the neighborhood has responded. Farland said the amount of support we've gotten from people in the neighborhood is insane. So that's uh, historically Hoppy. Historically Hoppy. Uh, the, the name... Is is the thing that says AI, but everything else was kind of well written. Maybe that's the concern. Maybe that's the tip off. Hmm. Food Next for thought. Up, uh, this is well. I would say Worcester, but I, I I think this is in the U.S. So I guess you still would Worcester based craft uh, tea, craft tea, K R A F T E A kombucha company will open its new brewery this summer, complete with a tap room for visitors to sample and take home their favorite flavors. Owner Matt Glidden said the new space at 3 Brussels Street will seat about 20 people. I'd like to do a kind of a cafe style, Glidden said. It'll be for sampling and for sale by the glass and also for takeaway. So if you find something you like, you can take a bottle home with you. 
Kombucha is a type of fermented tea that is popular in the health community for its probiotics, vitamins, and antioxidants. It contains a small amount of alcohol, but not enough for the drinker to become intoxicated. In addition to kombucha, Glidden says he hopes to host some small performances in the space, such as acoustic music, stand-up comedy, comedy, mm, (laughs) I'll get Brian on that, poetry readings, and open mics. Oh, and better. (laughs) We can get Brian on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, didn't judge it. No, that's that's, part of it. Historically hoppy craft tea kombucha. And the third one here, a new brewery is opening in Midland, Texas, with a focus on fruited beers. That brewery, called Fruitcraft, is set to open in July. <laughs> Fruitcraft will be the first brewery in Midland to focus on fruited beers, <clears throat> which are made with fruit juice or purees. The brewery will offer a variety of fruit-infused beers, including IPAs, sours, and even barrel-aged beer. The brewery is founded by husband and wife team Ryan and Sarah Haney, who are both passionate about craft beer. We wanted to bring something new and exciting to Midland. Sarah said, we're passionate about beer, and we wanted to share that passion with our community. The Haney's have already been working on fruit craft beers for over a year, perfecting recipes and developing new flavor combinations. Can't wait to share our beers with everyone, Ryan said. We know there are people out there who are looking for something different, and we think fruit craft will be a great option. The brewery will open with a taproom and patio, and the Haney's hope to eventually expand into a full-scale production facility. In the meantime, in the meantime they plan to distribute their beers to local bars and restaurants, Looking for something new and exciting in the world of craft beer? Keep an eye out for Fruit Craft. So, Fruit Craft. We have fruit. We have sorry. We have historically hoppy craft tea and Fruit Craft. Fruit Craft sounds like a gloop brewery, Tony. It does. I. It's between two and three again. The second one is bonkers. Like that is legitimately like WTF. What is the deal with that? And I've discounted the first one every time, but I'm going to discount it again. The thing that's pushing me towards number three is the previous two winners, they read very similar and they were sort of markings Mm. within that text that sort of, they were similar in certain ways and, and, and that's what lines up with number three for me. So I was going to go two when you read it instantly. I thought that is some bullshit um, but I think it's three. I think three is bullshit. I think Fruitcraft is think a terrible fruit, name. Do you think Fruitcraft is the fake? Yep, I do. Well, Tony, I've got good news for you. You got one. Fruitcraft was made up by the computer. Uh, I, it was too good for me not to put it in there, Fruit Fruitcraft. Um, I loved it so much. <laughs> Fruitcraft seemed like it seems it felt the most fake or, I mean, going third was a downside for it, but it felt like you could open Fruitcraft, right? I mean, Fruitcraft yeah. feels like yep. something you could do. Yeah. Terrible name, of course, but all these breweries, have, a lot of these breweries have awful names. Historically, Hoppy is a real brewery. I know. That, uh, for God's sake. I mean, lasting joy, whatever, you know. Um, but, Tony, the AI gotcha. I have been obsessed with this thing for a few days now. Um making these these you can just type in things like uh, article about Donald Trump ridiculing Olive Garden and I've and it and it just comes out with the best thing in the world. It does really good Trump. I got to say it does about the best Trump I've I've seen. So 
Tony, that was a great game. That was a lot of me talking. Why don't you tell the people how they can get a hold of us? Absolutely. They can check us out on, like, the place we hang out the most, and that is Untapped. You are Griff AD on Untapped, and you're checking in a variety of beers. Right. I'm St. Moz on that same place, Untapped. You can follow us on Instagram at Beer Engine Pod. You can send us an email, Beer Engine Show at gmail.com, or give us a tip at ko fi.com forward slash Beer Engine Podcast. Um, Griff, right. you have done yourself a power of work. I'm sure you'll need a refreshing beverage to um, recharge those vocal cords. What is going to be the next cab off the rank out of your beer supply? I think I'm going to – you know what? I, I've got this closet full of uh, Horus. I think I'm going to pull out the Willet, Willet Age 12-ouncer, share it with Kelly, a little six ounces of stout before bedtime. Sounds good to me. Nice nightcap. Well, folks. All right. That's it. Another perfect show, Tony. Nicely done. Uh, until next week, we will see you never because you have to listen to us. So maybe, maybe someday when we do video, uh, you'll get to look at Tony for 25 minutes or 65 minutes or 95 minutes, but not today. We will see you again uh, over the air in a week. Bye-bye.